You're listening to the weekly message at Mosaic Church. For more information or to talk about your own life in Christ, email info at mosaicchurchevans.org. If you'd like to support our ministry, visit our website at mosaicchurchevans.org. Thanks for listening. And now, this week's message.
Moses has learned to keep his mind on work and responsibilities and family so he can keep everyone alive, just stay busy, keep an arsenal of excuses for anything that feels uncomfortable, and then just survive. For Moses, that was most of his adult life, comfortably numb. That is the resume of an unsurrendered will. Chris gave me this line last week. He got it in prayer and just sent it to me. He said, I just feel the need to send this to you. I don't even know why I'm sending it. And, and it turns out it was like the, it's the line for this message. And so we're going to use it. Excuses are the guardians of an unsurrendered will. It's a good line, isn't it? Excuses are the guardians of an unsurrendered will. And if that line is true, then Moses is the poster child for it. Moses is an unsurrendered man with jagged edges trying to keep busy so he won't have to deal with the issue of God or his own failures or worse, the call of God on his life. But he'll find out in this chapter of his life that a person can only avoid God for so long. Eventually, God shows up in an unavoidable iteration that will force a confrontation, not just with God, but with who we've become, with the excuses we've racked up, and with who we can be on the God side of surrender. So, the best way to engage the message is with the Bible, something to write on and something to write with. I really want you to get all of that out because I've got things for you to underline and I've got things for you to write down. And you can start your notes with that one line, excuses are the guardians of an unsurrendered life. We're going to be in Exodus chapter 3. That's where we find Moses as he steps into his own personal spiritual crisis. I have to wonder, he's, he's, he's about to see the burning bush, you know, the famous burning bush. And I have to wonder if this burning bush encounter with God is the first time that, that God has actually tried to get Moses' attention or if it's happened before. Because we know this, that an unsurrendered life blinds us to the presence of God. Or if, I, if you want to say that positively, a surrendered life binds us to the presence of God. A surrendered life binds us to the presence of God. An unsurrendered life blinds us to the presence of God. So what signs had God already given Moses that he completely missed? How many dancing sheep stood up and did the Macarena and he missed it? How many personal notes were written in the stars in the night sky? And he missed it. you got to wonder if Moses could have been on his way to freeing Israelites long before this moment, if only he'd seen the sign. That's just a guess, but it reminds me of something we've said a couple of times here recently. That's, it's that quote from John Piper. God is always doing 10,000 things in your life, and you may be aware of three of them. What if? God is doing far more in your life and in the world around you right now than you're aware of. And what if you are missing the miracles because you're spending your prayer life praying for a better parking space at Walmart or for God to pay your bills or for God to, I don't know, you fill in the blank. In other words, what if God is ready to show up in your life and is wondering or, or waiting for you to show up to. 
Dennis Prager is talking about this, this very scripture in Exodus 3 and about what we're talking about right here when he says almost everything important is a choice. Almost everything. We choose whether to be happy, whether to work hard, whether to see miracles, whether or not we follow God. And so what if God is ready to show up in your life and he's waiting for you to show up to Exodus 3, 4 through 6 says, When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, another version puts it this way, when, when God saw that he'd gotten Moses' attention. When the Lord saw that he had gone over to look, God called to Moses from within the bush. There's this bush, it's burning up and it's not being consumed, and so it's a, sort of an oddity out there. So God says, Moses, Moses, and Moses says, Here I am. I want you to underline, here I am. That's a funny little thing right there, and we're going to come back to it. Moses, here I am. Do not come any closer, God said. Take off your sandals, for the place you're standing is holy ground. And then he said, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Jacob, the God, sorry, the God of Isaac, the God of Jacob. And at this, Moses hid his face because he was afraid to look at God. Totally off subject, or maybe not quite, but this is kind of cool. That burning bush that Moses saw, that bush Moses saw burning 3,200 years ago, it's supposedly still alive and well today. Somebody somewhere decided which bush it was, and they built a whole monastery around it uh, in 525 A.D. So here's a picture of it. You see it? What's so funny? Don't you love they keep a fire extinguisher next to the bush, just in case? <laughs> That's great, isn't it? That picture's a great metaphor, I think, for the spiritual life of so many people. We keep our faith in one hand and a fire extinguisher in the other, you know? We want to be set on fire by God, but we don't want to be consumed. We want to be surrendered, but we worry that if we give an inch, she'll take a mile. That's our great fear, right? That, that if we turn full face into the will of God and surrender whatever it is to, that he's calling us to, we might end up getting burned up or burned out. So never mind that our fear does not square with our reality, because the fact is, it's our own junk that does most of the damage to our identity. It's good old-fashioned sin, not God, that consumes personality and relationship and opportunity. It's our hurts and habits and hang-ups that do the most damage to us, not God. And yet most of us, like Moses, would rather sit in the wilderness with our sins and lethargy than go with God because we're afraid that if he sets us on fire, we might get consumed. So we keep our faith in one hand and a fire extinguisher in the other. By the middle of Exodus chapter 3, that's exactly where Moses is. He has this call of God in one hand and a long list of excuses in the other. We're learning that excuses are the guardians of an unsurrendered will. And Moses is armed with excuses, hoping that one of them will extinguish the fire God wants to set inside of him on behalf of God's people. 
here's what happened. When Moses got up by that burning bush, God spoke to him and said, here's what I want you to do, Moses. My people, your people are miserable. They are enslaved, and I want to set them free. I want to lead them to a land I've been promising them for generations, and you're the guy to do it. So I want you to go to Pharaoh and tell him to let my people go. And that's when Moses pulls out the fire extinguisher and starts spraying excuses on the fire. In the first place, he says, who am I to appear before Pharaoh? How can you expect me to lead the, the Israelites out of Egypt? In other words, excuse number one, I'm not good enough to do this thing. Of course, that's not much of an excuse when you're talking to the one who created you in his image and who knows your potential better than you know it yourself. In fact, every excuse Moses gives is answered by a name used for God in the Bible. Elohim is the very first name. We find it in Genesis chapter 1, and it refers to God as the creator. I am the one who made you. It's the name God uses to remind us that before he blessed us, before he redeemed us, before he healed us, he created us. Henry Nouwen says, long before any person spoke to us in this world, we are spoken to by the voice of eternal love. That voice speaks value. So our value is given to us by the one who chose us through creation, who loved us first, who loves us most. So while Moses says, I'm not good enough, God says, I know what you're made enough. And I know what you're made of, and you are enough because I am. You should write that down. Go back to verse 4, because this is the funny part in this story to me. And God called Moses out of that burning bush. Do you remember, like, the the bush is burning, and God's voice comes up out of it, and Moses says, oh, here I am, here I am. And you could just see him pulling out his phone, getting a selfie with the bush so he can put it on Facebook. God has called me out of a bush, coolest thing in the world. Because on the cool side of God's presence, we're all smiles and excitement. Here I am, God, when a new job opportunity shows up. Here I am, God, when I'm miserable and looking for a way out of my marriage. Here I am, God, when I'm bored and ready for God to do a new thing. But notice... Over in verse 11, after God explains to Moses what he wants him to do, Moses goes very quickly from here I am to who am I? Wait, God, what I'm after actually is not that. That's hard or means that I have to change or means I have to give something up. It means I have to surrender and In the middle of those two responses, the here I am and the who am I, it is no coincidence that God answers simply with I am. Look at chapter 3, verse 13. Moses said to God, suppose I go to the Israelites and say to them, the God of your fathers has sent me to you. And they ask me, what's his name? What am I supposed to tell them? In other words, I don't know enough about you to speak for you, God. What if they expect me to know things? This is where God gives Moses 
his own name. It's the first time in the Bible where God speaks his own name, and the name he uses is Yahweh, which means I am, or I am the one who always is, or I will be what I will be. Someone has said that name can mean I will be what you need. You need all of those to get the flavor of Yahweh. So now Moses has heard that he is enough because God is enough. And yet that still was not enough. Look at chapter 4, verse 1. Moses answered, well, what if they don't believe me or listen to me and say, the Lord did not appear to you? In other words, suppose I go to these people and say I've seen God. They won't believe me. I'll end up looking like an idiot. Who will protect my reputation? And God says, I have a name for that too. Adonai. It means Lord. Adonai is not so much about someone being in charge of us as it is someone looking out for us. I am the one, God says, who shelters you under my wing, who protects your life and your reputation, who gives you value. You are enough because I am. Chapter 4, verse 10. Moses said to the Lord, Pardon your servant, Lord. I have never been eloquent, neither in the past nor since the last five minutes. I just love this. Isn't it great? I'm slow of speech and tongue. In other words, I don't have the right gifts for this job. Again, not a great excuse for a God who is also known in Scripture as El Shaddai, the Almighty, the All-Sufficient, the one who is everything we need, who is the completion of our existence. Even when we do not feel sufficient, God is. Y'all, at this point, I think that God is just laughing at Moses. Come on, give me what else you got. God says to him, hey, what's that in your hand? And Moses says, all I have is this staff. And God says, perfect, bring it with you. I do great things with sticks. For instance, if you throw it on the ground, I'll make it into a snake. If you wave it over some water, I can turn it into blood. Look, Moses, the point is, whatever you've got, I will use. And that moment seems to break through the flimsy excuses, and Moses finally gets honest. Chapter 4, verse 13. Lord, please, just send somebody else. In other words, I just don't want to, which is at least honest, right? And probably where more of us need to start with more conversations with God, probably more of us need to stop with the excuses, need to stop with the justifying, stop with the whining. Probably some of us need to stop with the externalizing and get very real with God about our very real and unsurrendered spots, which have become barriers to a call, a plan, or maybe just moving forward with God in this season. I have to tell you, being a pastor is not as glamorous as it looks from the outside. For one, God seems to enjoy making me live out the hard parts of my sermons the week before I preach them, which is great for you because it means you get a lived 
sermon every Sunday, just about, but not so great for me, because just about every week I get dragged by the hair through some spiritual crisis set up by whatever passage I'm preaching that week, which is why I keep looking for the passage in Scripture I can preach on that says, you will live an awesome, pain-free existence full of love and money, because I would like to preach that passage and live it. But I can't find that passage in the Bible. I can only find it in fortune cookies. So the Moses moment I had last week, seriously, almost like I had been set up, was one more wine fest, and by wine I mean wine, around videotaping, which I've basically been whining about since March 14, 2020. I'm not going to hide it. Video has been, we'll just call it a sanctifier for me, which is Christianese for I hate it. So we're slowly putting messages from our recovery ministry online. It's one of my one thing initiatives. I want our recovery ministry to be online and a resource for other churches and other other people. I, I know we can reach so many more people if those messages are out there where people can get to them. And we plan to start another recovery group downtown as soon as there are enough messages in the bank. So I want them online, but I have to tell you, I hate it. video. I hate it. No offense if you're watching online right now, but I just hate it. It's not my medium, or at least it's not my medium yet. I feel like I'm performing the gospel instead of preaching it, especially when I have to use, you know, a teleprompter and there's no audience like when we, when we tape stuff in, during the week. It just feels not me. So last week, after one particularly frustrating taping, none of the buttons doing what they were supposed to do, I had a come-to-Jesus meeting with Jesus. I told him, see, here's the thing, Jesus I don't video so good, and I'm afraid people won't believe me or won't take me seriously if I'm standing in front of a camera, so I hate to do this to you, Jesus, but I'm just not your guy. And when God wouldn't let me off, I heard myself saying the very words of Moses, look, just send someone else. After I whined for a while, God reminded me, excuses are what whiny babies use to avoid responsibility. Wait a minute, that's not right. I'm sorry. Excuses are the guardians of an unsurrendered heart. That's the way we say that. God took every one of my excuses and said, the problem with you and video is that you're trying, listen, you're trying to make it all about you. But the lesson of my people coming out of exile is this. You should write this down. This is big. It's not about you because I am. And then the Holy Spirit said this, and he said it. And somehow, while I know it is very deeply and personally for me, I am sensing I should say it to you also because maybe it's for you too. He said, don't give your heart to the medium. If you give your heart to the medium, you'll lose the message. 
the way he actually said it to me is, if you marry the medium, you miss the message. If that's for you, the Holy Spirit will interpret it for you. I don't have to. But does it make sense? Do you hear it? It isn't about us or what we personally are comfortable with. It's about God because he is enough. So for you who are online, I want you to know I'm with you and I'm staying with you and I'm going to stay with you because it's not about the medium. It's about the message. But I'll say to you online, don't marry the medium. Don't marry the medium. Because you might miss the message. Somewhere in between those two spirits that live inside every human being, somewhere between those two sides of us that vie for control, the the, the here I am of self-sufficiency and the who am I of self-doubt and fear, between faith and the fire extinguisher, somewhere between those two extremes is the quiet voice of God who calls us and whose call always begins with this, I am. I am enough. I am what you need. I will be who you need me to be. It's not about you because I am. And probably there are a couple of us here in this room who need to hear this, who need to drop the excuses and get real with God out here in exile, who need to go ahead and tell him, we hate it out here. So that in that transparent place, God can begin to turn us toward his promises because that's the thing. He does it while you're in exile. He turns you toward his promises while you're in exile, not after everything has gotten comfortable. And if we'll do that while we're in exile, here's the truth we'll discover. If you surrender to God's will, you will find God's will. That's a powerful truth. Moses' story bears it out. At every point where he surrendered, God's will rose up to meet him. The road wasn't cleared before he stepped on it. The water didn't part before he stepped in. It was cleared as he stepped into it, stepped onto it. So if I surrender to God's will, then the will of God will rise up to meet me. Write that down. I surrender to God's will, God's will will rise up to meet me. Which is not to say everything automatically becomes, you know, roses, beds of roses. That's not how that works. This whole section of Exodus ends in chapter 5 with the Israelites and Moses both saying, ever since I started following the will of God, things have just gotten worse. I went from making bricks with straw to having to get my own straw to make my bricks. It's just gotten worse. This doesn't seem like a great way to end things, does it? But surrender is not the end. That's the point. Surrender is the beginning. Faith is a journey. It's a process. And sometimes it is a struggle, and sometimes the struggles will sanctify us. Do you think Pharaoh is going to let you off without a fight? No way. 
makes the rule of God worth the trip is that we know the end of the story. I mean, the Israelites had had the promise of a, of a land of their own since the days of Abraham. Pharaoh, the enemy of God, will be defeated. The desert doesn't last forever. And even in the desert, there will be festivals waiting for us. And eventually, the promises of God will be fulfilled. We will find the empty tomb in the promised land. And one day, we, we will encounter a new earth and a new heaven. So when you step into the promises of God, you're not just stepping into an easier next moment. You are stepping into the will of God, the river of which runs from here to the realized kingdom on earth. Come on, my people. So stand up and let's step into it. And the place we have to begin is where Moses had to begin. The question is, what excuses are holding me back? And what will lead for me? Faith or the fire extinguisher? I want to invite you just to, just to close your eyes right now, just to bow your head and make this time into prayer. And I want to ask you to you probably already know what it is you've been hesitating on. You probably already know. The most honest prayer you can pray is the prayer of Moses. God, I just don't want to. <laughs> I just don't want to. send somebody else. If you can get that honest with God, my guess is you'll hear him speak deep into your spirit the most powerful words ever, ever, ever spoken into the world. I am. I feel your fear. I am enough. I feel your hurt. I am enough. I feel your worry, your self-doubt. I am enough. I feel your straining and your striving. I am enough. I feel you pushing against me. I am enough. The Lord says my promise on the other side of surrender, my promise as you step into the will of God, my promise, my promise is that you will see provision like you've never seen before. You will see my power on display because it's not about you. I am. It's not about you. yourself my call on your life today. That's God. That's God. Will you give yourself to his call? Will you give yourself to him fully? You are the great I am. You came to 
even paint a picture for us of what surrender can look like. You've showed us. We are so grateful. And we want to do what you did to take up that cross and find out it's not pain, it's opportunity. You are the great I am. Thanks for taking the time to listen to our message. If you live in the area and are looking for a church home, we'd love to see you. Visit us or check out our website at mosaicchurchevans.org for more information. May God bless your day.